Hello listeners, I'm your host Grace Kisirkoi and welcome again to my um, podcast. I look forward to hanging out with you again. If you listened to the last episode, you probably remember us talking about African folk tales and how they describe what the tribe, there's like over 42 tribes and how they describe what different tribes basically value. Um, so yeah, today, um, in this first segment, we're going to just kind of highlight some of those stories. Um, yeah, and we'll just have fun with that. Um, the very first one that I remember off the top of my head is a story about a monkey and a crocodile. Um, and so the monkey is supposed to be really clever. He lived across the lake on a tree. And the tree had very juicy fruit and he just enjoyed his fruit but then he got lonely um and then one of these days uh the monkey saw a crocodile and said hi he was very friendly um the crocodile was in the lake and so the the crocodile and the monkey struck up a conversation and they started being really friendly to each other and they would talk um for hours on end um and uh, the crocodile's wife discovered this and was uh, a bit concerned that now her husband just hangs out with a monkey all day um, and just kind of wanted to have him to herself. Um, and the way that she was going to do that was uh, to kind of eliminate the monkey. So what the elef- uh, the monkeys, uh, uh, so what the crocodile's uh, wife did is she pretended that she was sick um, and so she pretended she was sick to her death so she was laying in her deathbed not eating very sick uh, and her husband got very concerned uh, the father crocodile got really concerned and asked his wife oh my dear wife how can I help you I don't want you to die is there anything I can do to help you um and the crocodile was like the uh sick fake sick fakely sick crocodile was like oh yeah you can help me i'm so sick i just need uh, the heart of a monkey for me to be able to survive and i will live forever and so the crocodile even though um he liked his friend the monkey he said oh well i need to save my wife so he was going to go uh, trick the monkey to come home so that they can uh, cook his heart and eat, eat it so his wife can survive. Um, so what the crocodile did is this time after a long absence he went to uh, speak to the crocodile uh, to the to the monkey on his tree and uh, when he went to speak to the monkey the monkey was so glad to see his friend again and uh, the crocodile took that occasion to invite this monkey to go back home to uh, eat uh, for a meal. Um, invited the monkey for a meal together with his family. And the monkey was so excited. He got on the back of the crocodile. The monkey didn't know how to swim. He just got on the back of the crocodile. Um, and uh, the crocodile was just like, wow, that was easy. <laughs> and... Uh, took the the monkey back home uh like just swam back home uh when they got closer to the house of the crocodile um the crocodile started to sort of sink uh knowing that the monkey doesn't know how to su- to to swim he just knew it'll be a few moments before um 
the monkey kind of suffocated and they would be able to cook the heart of a monkey um and so how it turns out the, the monkey got confused and went exclaimed and he was like oh my friend what are you doing i you know i cannot swim he said so the crocodile apologized to the monkey and said i'm very sorry but my wife is sick and the only way she can survive is if she eats your heart and so yeah goodbye my friend um and uh, what happened is the monkey quickly got a great idea and said, Oh my goodness, uh, I forgot to tell you, I didn't know. You should have told me you needed my heart. Us monkeys, we always leave our hearts on the trees where we live. So you have to take me back so that I can take my heart. Uh, if that is the case, I want your wife to leave. So the crocodile was like, Oh wow, how nice of the monkey to tell me exactly where his heart is. So yeah, so he he took back the the crocodile took back the monkey to the tree, and the the monkey climbed up on top of the tree, and you probably guessed it, never came back down. <laughs> and the crocodile waited and waited, and the monkey said, "You're a terrible, terrible friend. Uh, go away. I'm never coming. I'm never going to talk to you again." Um, you are going to kill me and eat me, yet I have been nothing but a friend to you. So yeah, this story particularly highlights the importance of being clever and outwitting uh, people who are trying to pull one over you. So um, I unfortunately, I do not remember where what tribe this one is from, but I had it when I was really young. I just don't remember. <laughs> uh, but it's definitely from a tribe that um, really values um being clever and being smart and just being witty and um sort of thinking on your feet uh is important to this in this particular those are the values that are being uh drummed up in this particular story um yeah with that i'd love to ask you guys do you have any stories that uh you can remember from your childhood um that you think either maybe your family upheld certain values and you heard this story, yeah, share with us. Uh, email me. I will leave my email on the show notes. I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It is free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We'll come back after this short pause and uh, talk about a little bit about body image and contrast that with uh, the U.S. versus the Kenyan perspectives. Thank you. Welcome back again, listeners. Um, so in this part of the segment, I kind of want to now relate in that context of uh, the stories we talked about. I want to uh, relate my experiences when I first came to the U.S. to provide a bit more context. Uh, and this particularly will uh, provide an, a bit more context around like body image and uh, issues about um, how 
the beauty standards comp in Africa, in at least in Kenya, where I'm from, um, compared to beauty standards in the U.S., <laughs> uh, especially according to my experience. So um, I remember a few years before I came to the U.S., uh, I was in Kenya. It was in 2007. Um, and uh, that's the last time I remember catching a terrible bout of malaria. And if you've ever had malaria, you probably know that um, you lose complete, like I didn't want to eat anything. I just lost appetite and I was very sort of lethargic. It's like a terrible fever. Um, and it lasts, like it could, it used to last a week or more and it actually affects your red blood cells. So uh, the malaria parasites will grow in your red blood cells and sort of bust them. And um, as they come out, they will grow in the red blood cells. And then, um, as you may already know, the red blood cells are important for your ion and uh, to capture oxygen. And so you could eventually, because of that, if it becomes too bad, you could become, um, you could get a, a little bit of anemia. Um, but there's ways to treat it. So, but in that case, I remember feeling very lethargic and very sort of, dizzy and uh, I didn't want to eat and it's a it was fever I was feverish um and so because of that I didn't eat a, at all like I just couldn't keep like it was food just sounded awful uh if you know me you'll know that that is very uncharacteristic because I enjoy food uh I used to enjoy going out with friends um eating this thing we call kebab but it's very different than the kebabs I've seen in the U.S. it's like Oh, it's so delicious. It's, I don't know what it's made of. Uh, it's got meat on the inside. And um, I think on the outside it's coated with like an egg coating. Um, but gosh, it's amazing. And sometimes you can also, there's this place I used to enjoy going that has like, uh, it's like an egg that's fried and boiled. I don't know how they make it on the inside. And then on the outside, it's coating by very similar to the, um kebab coating so yeah I, sorry i don't know how my mind went there but i just i think we i started talking about how much i love food how much i used to enjoy food <laughs> and i thought of that but yeah when i um i had malaria even that didn't sound good and as uh if somebody somebody who knows me would know that is just strange and um as you can imagine by the end of uh, a week or two by the time i was starting to be to feel better i had lost a lot of weight a lot of weight um and i remember when i was able to so i was going to uh i was finishing i was in like senior year i was going to senior year of um undergrad i was studying medical microbiology and when i went to school i remember just everybody exclaiming like Oh my goodness, like just because I was, I had suddenly, I looked so skinny suddenly. <laughs> uh, my classmates kind of exclaiming, uh, how much, like, what happened to you? Are you okay? Like, they just thought um, something was the matter uh, when they saw me so skinny. Uh, and uh, some of them, I remember, so, um, okay, so to give context, I will explain also like the general physical makeup of a lot of uh, African women um, and uh, mostly they have a buxom behind um, 
And I remember even, I remember this, if I contrast to when I, after I came to the US, whenever I would go buy clothes, I would have to buy, if I wanted to buy a top and a bottom that was part of an outfit together, I would have to buy two outfits in different sizes because according to the American um, clothing st- not, uh, like styles or uh, cuts, uh, I was a very small top size. And then on the bottom size, I was like a totally different person. So I have to buy two different sizes <laughs> to be able to combine one top from the smaller size and one bottom from the larger size because there wasn't anything that could fit me and not look clumsy in one size. <laughs> uh, this was not a problem in Kenya because I always heard uh, people, a lot of other women have similar physique. And be- beyond that, it's cheap to get your clothes 100% tailored to fit you. Um, so I had a lot of tailored clothing that was perfect for just me. Um, anyway, segue again sorry <laughs> uh yeah so when um I, I showed up at school i was skinny and people were like wow what happened to your signature curves i just remember my heart sinking and just like i felt like i had lost my identity i didn't realize i valued my curves like i like i actually had a big behind and didn't realize i valued it until people just kind of exclaimed and to, and it was a big deal to them like wow what happened to like something was a matter um but my experience has been very different in the US it's like whenever people see somebody has lost weight they are very congratulatory they're very like wow how amazing and so i think that's that just has kind of stuck with me that contrast and uh i think that Overall, um, in Kenya, people think of, of course, you know, just think of a a bit more curvy figure uh, to be healthy, beautiful um, versus like if you look too skinny, people start getting concerned that maybe, I don't know, you're not doing like you're struggling financially or you're not doing very well health wise. Uh, While in the U.S., it's considered you're probably working out you're in the best shape of your life so yeah I just remember that kind of stuck with me uh that experience um in uh in in the when contrasting it in the U.S. versus in Kenya yes the weirdest thing is that I actually didn't know that I had abs until I came to the U.S. (laughs) um I used to walk so long to get to the bus stop and then to um, get to where I would catch my uh, my car to get to my office like the public transit to get to my office so I walked all over the place and um, this was while I was in Kenya and then when I came to the U.S. I just remember one time uh, I was uh, in undergrad uh, sorry grad school um, in my gym and I was changing and one of my friends was like oh my gosh how did you get the abs what is your secret <laughs> and I didn't even know what those were uh yeah so i just remember that i thought that was really funny that like i just wasn't even paying attention at the time and um i just i'm curious if this is the experience of other people from kenya like um are they as attuned to body image or uh it's been eight years since i've since i lived there so i don't know things might have changed i'm just curious but uh, i remember just at the time 
even I didn't have any idea, you know, about any of these things. <laughs> Thank you. This is a funny experience that I remember warmly um, when uh, I showed up at school and had lost a lot of weight after catching malaria that uh, 2007. Um, I remember my friends saying, oh my goodness, where did your Donald Duck butt go? So uh, I think they usually kind of, they were making fun of me because um, when you're, you have a Donald Duck butt, that means that uh, your, your skirt could dried up because like Donald Duck's tail. <laughs> so um, even though they were making fun of me, I knew they were coming from a positive place. Like they were just saying, your, your signature look is gone. Like, you know, so yeah, that's why it was so, sort of, it was a big it it was like a big awakening to me to realize that I totally had lost uh when you I lost weight and just looked completely different. I felt like I was a totally different person and uh yeah no no wonder that kind of stuck with me that uh contrasting that with um if you lost weight while you're in the u s people would think that you are more of a like you you're trying to work out and uh get healthy um at least, you know, within a healthy, like, BMI. So, yeah, that's been my experience uh, contrasting that uh, in the U.S. We'll come back after this short break and talk about some creation stories and contrast between tribes so you can see the diversity within Kenya. Welcome back, listeners. In this segment, I want to contrast a couple of... Um, Two out of 42 total uh, creation stories just to highlight, to expound on a point we made um, in our previous episode to show that how much diversity there is in the tribes. Now, this is mainly just a creation story from um, the older generation. Um, people still maintain uh, this history for the sake of uh, keeping up their heritage. Um, yeah, so... It's just a way, but uh, as in any case, though the languages are still different. In those, each of these tribes has their own language, their own general values and customs and culture. Uh, but originally, uh, many years ago, um, they each had even their own religions and uh, their own sort of origination, like origination stories. So uh, we'll just talk about two of them. Um, one of them is actually Maasai, as you can remember, um, um, Steve actually mentioned that, my husband Steve, in the previous episode. And the Maasai story is about, uh, it explains why cattle are such a big part of their livelihood. Um, it basically says that the creator, Enkai, so Enkai is the name for, of God in this tribe. Um, it's just, they just believe in one God. Actually, um, he gave them cattle. So one day he called the first man, Masai man, and told him, uh, I want you to come uh, show up tomorrow at this big expansive land. Uh, and uh, when he showed up, there was a large, it's like a carpet, like a big um, leather thong that kind of descended from the skies. And there was a rumbling noise and Turn, like lots and lots of heads of cattle just descended from the sky and uh, it became the responsibility of this uh, tribe to take care of cattle 
and this is now their livelihood and they must they were supposed to love this cattle um and so yeah this this tribe absolutely loves cattle they uh value it's it's a it's a very central part of their existence it's like they drink a lot of milk they have a lot of um um beef so it's a big part of their diet it's all tied around that uh and in that in part as part of that they also sort of look at um agriculture as not as highly it's not as highly valued um like tilling the land it's not like as prestigious as having cattle <laughs> yeah and to contrast that story uh i will also tell the story of uh, the creation story of uh the kikuyu um the way i remember it <clears throat> And the Kikuyu also had an original man called Gikuyu and his wife Mombi. And um Gikuyu actually um this man, the original man, Gikuyu, um God told showed him the top of a mountain. Uh it's called Mount Kerinyaga. It has a lot of uh trees, fig trees. So it's Kerinyaga according to the actual um, like the locals, they say Kirinyaga, but uh, I think you can also call it Mount Kenya. Um, uh, I th- I actually think from the original story is uh, when the colonialists arrived, they couldn't pronounce Kirinyaga, and that's kind of how they started saying Kenya. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's... Uh, don't quote me on that, but that's what I remember from a long time ago. Um, and so... Uh, going back to the creation story of this uh, of the Kikuyu, uh, on the Mugumo tree, God instructed them to. Uh, this is where they are going to come and um, have any like worship. It'll be a shrine, so wherever they they would need to uh, offer any request to God, they would come to this big, expansive section with trees, and it's a beautiful land. It's perfect for agriculture. Uh, and uh, Yekuyu and Mombi, his wife, Mombi actually means creator. So this is a very, like, it's very similar to Adam and Eve's story. They ended up having nine beautiful daughters. And um, Yekuyu wanted nine men to marry his daughters. So he went and prayed at the, he offered a lamb sacrifice and prayed at the uh, Mugomo tree. Um, and, uh, God told him that when he goes back, he'll find the nine men and they'll, he'll, uh, he'll have nine men to marry his daughters. And that's how basically their creation story began. Um, if you're a Kikuyu and, uh, you have a lot, a bit more detail on that, uh, don't hesitate to email me. We'll, uh, would love to feature your contribution. Um, or if you have any other creation story from your tribe i'd love to feature your uh your story um yeah i'll leave my email down uh, on the show notes for you to uh, reach out to me thank you so much another thing i remember my friends teasing me about was uh they knew that i was a maasai and uh actually maasai is one of the less uh, so because so remember when we talked about them being pastoralists? So there is one of the tribes that have really stuck with their um 
their livelihood, their way of life, their culture, and they haven't changed too much. Um, like with dressing, it's not common that uh, you'll find other tribes have maintained their practices as far as to the tea, like to the livelihood and their way of life and keeping all the cu- the cattle they keep as much as um, the, the Maasai because other tribes have gotten a bit more urbanized and um, they have uh, adapted to Western, a bit more like Western sort of kind of life. Um, of course, there's still a lot of influence from their tribes from what they eat, but the Maasai is one of the ones that have kind of pretty much uh kept a lot of their ways uh for the most part um and um yeah i remember that was one of the things that my friends used to tease me about at school and there was this song it goes saitoti fanyam pango wambie masai wako wache kuranda randa mtani bila surali this <laughs> Uh, it's a little inappropriate. Uh, it just means that uh, so um, there was this Maasai uh, prime, um, what was it, minister of parliament. It's, uh, think of like a senator in the U.S. And uh, he was called Saitoti. Uh, sadly, he passed away. Um, but so my friends were singing. This song just means like... Uh, they're telling Saitoti to make an arrangement and tell his uh, fellow Maasai to stop roaming around um, without uh, underwear. So I think it just, I mean, they were saying this in jest and like, these are my friends. So they just, it was one of the things we used to joke around, like um, different tribes kind of tease each other uh Usually it's in jest. Um, and so there they are people who really care about me. So, yeah, it's not really like they were being... Uh, it's not really like I took any any offense to it because we were having a lot of fun. And uh, when they dish it, they can also take it. So one of the other tribes that people like can make fun of is um, uh, the Luo. I think the Luo is actually sort of... Obama's extended family is from this tribe and they eat a lot of fish and they uh, typically use very big words to speak English. They're very good at English. They're very smart. Um, that's the general uh, impression people have in Kenya about this tribe. But uh, sometimes they get teased about the way they uh, they use like very big words that it's like similar to GRE words when they're trying to just talk like normally to people. So yeah, every tribe has like something that they get teased about <laughs> um, in jest. So yeah, I remember that also being an interesting point of diversity to address. So the reason for that song, um, where the Minister of Parliament, uh, the Maasai Minister of Parliament is being asked to tell his fellow Maasai men to uh, make a plan and tell all his Maasai people to put on underwear. Uh, it's just because um, it's kind of like the traditional garb of Maasai, like elderly people, especially who still maintain their clothes. They have this, it's like a very beautiful, colorful clothing that they drape over themselves. And um, traditionally, whatever they would wear underneath would not really pass as underwear under like the Western standards or like normal uh, current standards. 
And so, yeah, it was just a way to tease me um, because people knew I was part Maasai. I mean, it was all in good jest. So uh, we had a lot of fun and laughed about it. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to clarify that. I think people from Kenya might understand it. But uh, in case you're listening and you're not getting the context, I just wanted to add that in there. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, listeners, for hanging out with me until the end. I hope that I will see you again in the next episode. I can't wait to hear from you, so email me. I'm going to leave my email um, on the show notes. It's grace.kisirkoi at moneysmartphd.com. Yeah, like uh, go ahead and email me. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much. <laughs>